Welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry, and if you would consider becoming a Patreon subscriber, that would help me out with the costs of running this podcast greatly. The link is in the description of this chat, so please go check that out, and thank you so much. This chat features Ben Treat, who is known by millions. Yes, I can say millions, because between Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, he's got about 2 million followers frantic frames that's how he's known by all of these followers and this is actually the second time i'm interviewing him the first was way back in episode 33 where he only had about 13,000 instagram followers and was just discovering that he loved stop motion and was figuring out how he wanted to pursue it in he was also in high school at the time uh while trying to figure out what to go to college for well here we are all these years later now and ben makes 100 percent of his income and his full-time job is from social media stop motion posts in fact he's going to share exactly how he grew from 13,000 to 2 million followers gets big brand paying clients and where he's headed with his career next but first, this episode is sponsored by Hue, makers of colorful plug-and-play cameras for learning, work, and play. Originally designed for teachers, Hue cameras can also be used for creative activities such as capturing hand-drawn pencil tests, shooting behind-the-scenes footage, time-lapse videos, and of course, stop-motion animation. Their cameras have flexible, poseable necks, manual focus controls, and they're compatible with Dragon Frame, OBS, Twitch, Zoom, and many other camera apps. Visit HueHD.com to learn more and follow at Hue Cameras on social media for news, fun, and giveaways. And as always, get 10% off any Hue product from HueHD.com with code 10TerryAIP. And all that is in the description of this chat, so please go check that out. And now, without further ado, let's jump in. Hello, Ben. <laughs> Hello. Hi. It's Terry. Goodness. It's you. It's me. And it's been... It is. Five, five years? Five, four? Ah, five years. It's been five years. It's yeah. ridiculous. Um, for listeners who That's don't crazy. know, I got Ben's parents to sign a waiver so that t- he could come on the podcast because he was underage in high school. And I just wanted to make sure that they were okay with their their kid uh, publicly talking about his career aspirations. Because at the time... Did you have a hundred thousand followers yet on Instagram, or or is it like oh 10, gosh no thousand or something? Oh, I think I had like four. No, oh maybe I did have like ten. It okay. was like right at the beginning though. Yeah, Goodness. because like you came on the scene, you did a hundred stop motion animations every single day, and you had just grown to like maybe ten thousand followers. And I was like, who's this guy? What is he doing? Why is he twelve years old? <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, that's funny. So you you became an engineer and now you work in an office. Oh, yes. Yeah, I gave it all up. I'm not in animation at all anymore. And I'm nine to fiving. No, no. No, Okay, but tell me what it was like going into college, already having a massively growing online following and brand deal brand deals for style motion. (laughs) I it, it just meant I didn't care. I went into college like why am I here? Kind of, I really didn't want to be there. So college to me was like the chunk of time where I didn't enjoy my life before I got to go and work on stuff I'd liked. And it was like, why, why am I doing this? But I didn't do much of it. I only did two years. I got my associate's degree and then I was like, okay, that was fun. That was, but you know, 
it was good because it like balanced the life a little bit, I think, or something. Did you get you know? any hard or soft skills out of those two years? Oh, I mean, I did. I got I got some good Photoshop and After Effects experience. Okay. I was doing graphic design. So I took and I got kind of an intro into a bunch of softwares. Like I took some classes in Blender and I took some some different like I, I touched ZBrush for like two seconds and then I recoiled and like hissed. And then I was like, you're like, I know what this is um, like in real life. Why would I do it digitally? <laughs> I know it's like I have real clay. Why am I pretending? But um, no, I, I, I got to touch a lot of different softwares and it was like, okay, this is kind of good. And I found that I didn't hate school when I was creating stuff. So I guess it was good to understand that because creating stuff was kind of where I naturally fell. So yeah, so that, was, that was good. While you were in school, were you thinking like, I know how to make money. I'm going to make a career out of my social, my social media stop motion skills. Or were you thinking, I just want to have fun and stop motion again and screw whatever this is setting me up for. Right. No, I, I definitely wasn't like planning on it being a career. Well, okay. I had aspirations to do something bigger in stop motion, kind of from the point I saw it starting to work. But it to me, it kind of became a game of like growing the social media pages and like making stuff consistently and pushing my boundaries. It's it stopped being like just for fun. And I was a little bit like career driven in that realm. But I definitely wasn't thinking I'd be where I am today or I, I didn't really know where it would lead. But it was starting to open opportunities, even as small as they were back then. Like they were they were something. So I was like, OK, this is something I can pursue. And I kind of hyper obsess on things a little bit. So I was like, okay, here's something. And it's, I'm going to just focus everything on it. Yeah. And yeah, it was really good. If I recall, when we chatted last, you were looking for like a brand opportunities on like Fiverr and stuff and getting paid like ridiculously yeah. amounts of like a hundred dollars for like three weeks of work or something. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> how did you, cause you rough. worked with some really big, like top tier, like billion dollar brands at this point are the billion dollar brands probably i don't even know they're they're you big don't even brands know. they're scary Why not? fashion brands like food brands like soap brands like <laughs> soap brands lots of soap brands irish brands no, yeah they're yeah. so so they're how did brands. you from you know doing something for fiverr to getting like uh we were just chatting like hermes to to be like we want you to advertise our new line of bags or something which seem, seems crazy to hire like what were you like 18 years I was, old I don't know I think I must have been 18 or 17 because I think our interview was like when I was maybe 16 17 like five years ago wait uh yeah I would have been 16 oh my goodness whoa yeah. um but and then like I got Adamez right after that I, and that was like my first biggish brand deal um so it, what, it was a, crazy a DM, you got a dm from like I, yeah. Well, I got and What did email. they say? They Hi. just, that was the, they pretty much said, Hey, we're looking for three videos. Will you take 10 grand? And I was like 17. So I like died inside a little because it was like, um, yes, yes, I will. Yes. Is this real? And I was pretty sure it was a scam and it kind of came out of nowhere. And I think it's just because Hermes was like a luxury brand and they also didn't want to deal with stuff. So they just were like, I don't even know where they mass emailing people, but they, they just wanted people 
and they wanted them fast. And they were like, here's the money. We don't even care. Um, come up with some concepts. And I gave them concepts and the whole thing was done in like a week and a half, but it, it definitely was like, what led to that was building the social media pages. It was not like me pitching myself. It wasn't like at that time, it wasn't me intentionally making content for brands to see it. It was more like I was just putting stuff out there into the world over and over again. And the right person saw it at the right time and emailed me. It was, and at that time, I think I had maybe like 200,000 on TikTok, and I'm pretty sure that's where they had found me. So mm. I don't really know. I like, it's hard to say where the brand deals have come from kind of up until this point, like a lot of them have come from the ether, just from me pushing content out into the world. Yeah. I was yeah. going to ask, like, how do these brands find you? Like, do they just look up uh, like artists who have a certain threshold of followers or they just see it or like, are you on lists somewhere or like, do you have an agent or do you, or do you have like agency connections that just know like, oh yeah, Ben can take these types of things. Like how mm -hmm. do, cause you've, you've done pretty consistent brand deals like year over year over year. Yeah. I, so originally I was just pushing enough content out. I had a big growth uh, of following on Instagram and on TikTok, And that year it was like pretty consistent, smallish deals coming in, like a couple hundred bucks here, like a thousand dollars there. It was, it was good money, especially for me as a 17 year old, I was like pretty blown away by that, but it was, I wasn't on any lists. I think it was just the right people at the right time seeing me, but those right people at the right time also were people in charge of lists. I'm pretty sure. So there's a lot of marketing agencies who watch for creators who have, first of all, like certain audience demographics, certain categories that they fulfill, and they have lists of creators that they know can, they can hire out for opportunities. And there's a lot of middleman brands that are, are the in-between between creators and a big hiring brand. So when Hermes was a weird one because I was directly reached out to by Hermes, but a lot of the brand opportunities I get come from a middleman who has me on a list somewhere. And, oh. it, and it's because I've done so much brand work and I've kind of like, I've got, I don't even really know like the inner workings of it, but the same agencies will reach out to me with new opportunities because I'm on a, a list of, I don't know, reliable, maybe? I hope, I don't know. Yeah, I don't well, know maybe they're like pitching lists, their client but... and they're like, if you want something like genuine down to earth and like homemade, like here's, mm -hmm. we have this, this, and this style. And then the client was like, oh, we love Ben's style maybe. Yep, it definitely happens. I get emails every once in a while from from the people themselves that say, hey, we're going to start pitching you can you tell us your rates for these, these types of things? And um, we'll just contact you if we ever have something. And I'm always like, yes, obviously. And then I would say it's still very inconsistent. I will have chunks of time where I get like too many opportunities that I can't even take them all. And then chunks of time where it's, I mean, this is how the, the industry works. There's chunks of time with lots of work and chunks of time without, but like it's not consistent. And that has been kind of stressful, hmm. but weirdly i've i found a consistent partnership with samsung which has been really good and now i work consistently with samsung all year long so they're like wow. the stages for me was like little brand deals 
lists and and like mid-tier brand deals and then long-term partnerships now which i kind of keep alive and it's definitely been an evolution nowadays i do have a manager i work under under um whaler talent um and my manager's name is rick and he helps me find opportunities um i'm just starting with whaler so i'm i'm learning the landscape of management and it's definitely a little bit of a different playing field but they do bring me opportunities now which is really helpful how did you get this manager? I don't entirely know how they found me, but if anyone knows Colin and Samir, they're big um, in the space of the creator economy and um, talking to and working with creators. And I was at an event with them and they were like, we have friends at a really good agency, Whaler. So if you need, we'll we'll let you know. And then like a week later, I got an email from one of the managers at Whaler. So I assume that's where it came from. I don't actually really know. Um, but I think they just recommended me to Whaler and Whaler reached out. I I guess I could probably ask Rick and see how he found me. But yeah, I, I don't know. There's agencies are definitely hit or miss. They're all over the place. It's hard to say, but I do really like Whaler. Whaler's been really great. So I like how you called it like the creator economy. Like I've never even heard of that term, but I'm really sure people call it when they're in it. Yeah. But scroll back a little bit. You were intentionally growing your social media following and you have like 250,000 on Instagram, 1.6 on TikTok. You have threads, which I don't even look at. Like, yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't really either. What were you like? Tons of people post all the time and every day, but you were trying to specifically look for things that would take off and post more like that and kind of deconstruct why it was successful? Yeah, for sure. I would say I hit a growth period on TikTok, which was while I was in school. And it was it was interesting. It seemed like everything I posted just did well. I didn't really think too much about what I was making. And I was just making things probably like three or four animations a week just in my basement. And I was just doing stuff for fun, but I definitely found a niche that I was enjoying. It was pretty much just animating real physical objects in front of me, and I'd make them do weird stuff. Those seemed to do really well, and I grew a lot. But as it went on, I started to like try and figure out what was actually making them do well. And nowadays, I definitely put a lot of thought behind like how content performs and performance based on like comments and interactions and it's it's a little bit more gamified, which I don't love because I love making stuff just to make it. But also the TikTok algorithms control my life and fiber and being. So oh there's God. a balance. Say, yeah, it, that, that probably takes some fun of it. So what is what is the formula that you currently? <laughs> yeah, I try and my main thing that I try and do nowadays, because I feel like it's the most friendly is I like target comments, which is funny and kind of weird. But I, I make animations and I throw in Easter eggs and little nuggets of things for people to comment about. Okay. I don't do it all the time. It's like whenever it's natural and I find a moment. But um, this is the only like one of the only ways I've found that really works for at least TikTok. I, I'll make an animation and like a good example of one that I actually did was I did like this loaf of bread video where I cut a piece of bread. And then the bread danced and did some backflips and stuff. But I just intentionally, while I was cutting the bread, just sliced my thumb off and kept going. And I just left it in the kind of the corner of the frame. And yeah, I didn't I remember like, this. I didn't pay it, put anything, any, like, I didn't make that a focus. But then people felt like they found a little nugget when they saw it. They're like, ooh, look, 
look, let me let me point that out to people. And it got like, I don't know how many comments, as thousands of comments from people being like, did anyone else see that he cut his thumb off? And then like, oh my gosh, I didn't. And then people would go and they'd watch it again and it'd give me more audience retention. So now that's kind of what I target. I uh, From time to time, I'll just throw something in that's fun, that I, it's kind of like, I know what people are gonna think about this. Let me set them up for it. And then people have fun finding them kind of. So that's, that's that feels too smart. <laughs> it's not. It's, and then the it's other people probably annoying. feel smart to in the comments. They're like, I'm smart. And you're like, are you though? I know. Yeah, <laughs> I did this on purpose. I know. It's funny. <laughs> it's like not my favorite way to make content because I would love to just make something I like and then put it out there and everyone like it, too. But also sometimes the things you want to make, not everybody wants to see. And you have to like. I don't know. There's a balance. You kind of give up a little bit of artistic integrity when you're making stuff on the internet. If you're trying to grow a social following, at least it feels like it. It feels like you've got to cater to the audience and the audience decides when things do well. So your priorities definitely have to be like, you have to kind of balance them out you sound because like if you want to grow executive. Oh, do I? Oh, gosh. Oh, no. It's happening. Not again. <laughs> we, we have to play <laughs> to that. What does the audience want? Not what <laughs> I know it's bad. What's happening to me, Terry? So I'm how too do you, much okay, in the so world of social this, media no, How now. do you avoid burnout and keep things interesting for yourself? Because, like, why would you be doing this if you don't like it? Right. Well, okay. I do. I do like it. So right. I... I think I've, I'd like, my job is probably the coolest job of any job that I've known so far, because I do get to make what I want when I want, however I want. And that's pretty free. That's pretty open-ended. And I mean, I'm incredibly thankful for that. That's insane. Um, the the way I don't burn out, which I is hypocritical because I burn out all the time. It's actually ridiculous. But the way I try to avoid burnout is just like having a rich life outside of it, which is kind of stupid, but it's true. Camping. Just like <laughs> I go camping, I get in the woods, I spend a lot of time with my friends, I have other hobbies and other interests, and I just try and balance it out. And more and more, I try and make it more routine because it's helpful. I hate routine, but it's helpful. Like it, it does work. So at least at the moment, what I've been doing and what seemed to really work for me is I go in on a challenge with one or two other friends where we hold each other accountable to make stuff. Cause sometimes when you work for yourself by yourself, it's like hard to hold yourself accountable. So I'm in a challenge right now with a friend where we have to make a video each Friday. And if we don't have a video done, we have to buy the other friend breakfast. And it's not like much of a consequence, like, like it's a breakfast, but there's also like a lot of nagging and finger pointing. There's a lot of like, ah, you failed. You like, and that's enough pressure for me to be like, okay, I can't fail this week. I can't, I will not buy you breakfast. And then it becomes this fight and it just keeps going. And that's enough pressure for me to keep making stuff. So that's what I've been doing recently. And it helps me a lot. Interesting. <laughs> well, too bad this video isn't uh, being recorded on a Friday because you could have just used this. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. No, yeah, I know. And it's, it's bad too, because like, I think I've been in this, this challenge I started like three months ago, no, two months ago. I don't know. I failed a couple of weeks. I have, it's been bad and I've had to buy too many breakfasts already. And it's like, wow. no. Wow. And actually, yeah, this Friday's coming up soon. It's Monday and I haven't started a video. And after this, I'm driving to a flea market and I'm looking around until I find an item I want to animate. And then I'm just going to animate it because like, 
that want it to like happen, fun thing but to I can't do. fail. I like so, that. I like that. Yeah. I mean, like, left to your own devices, it makes sense. You're just like, you know, chilling, doing stuff, but forcing yourself to be creative can pay off. And you're doing it in a sociable way. I'm the opposite. I'm like, I want to be creative. I'm not going to talk to my friends or see them for two months. <laughs> I'm going to hold really? myself up. <laughs> Oh man, see, I've done that. I feel like it kills me inside. Oh, it but does. I, it's but definitely it's... a balance. You've got to find the right middle ground. Yeah. Okay. So, so where are you right now? Because you know, you started this in high school. Um, you went to school, didn't focus on school too much. Grew your social following. Started getting brand deals. You got a manager. You have some long-term contracts now. Like, you know, what's what is the state that you're in? Like, what does your career life look like? You said you get to do what you want when you want, but like, you know, are you are you happy with your trajectory? Are you being successful? Is it like is it tough to get through? Like, I don't know. Because from the outside, you know, you have tons and tons of followers. You're creating stuff all the time. You're getting really super cool with brand deals. It seems like you're living kind of the life of a cool stop motion animator. <laughs> yes i've done it no i mean yes i've i'm i found a balance that i really love and like the hearing the title cool stop and stop motion animator like i'll take it like if you want to laminate it and put it on a badge like i wouldn't be a i wouldn't you know like but no i i've definitely i've found a rhythm that i really enjoy because I'm kind of living my life incredibly sporadically i don't have much of a routine or anything planned really but i do things all the time like i would say once a month i'm like not in the state and sometimes not in the country i'll just like fly somewhere to mix my life up and change it and what? like <laughs> i i have this thing running with with stop motion and brand deals and like i'm in a consistent flow of it i have a long-term partnership with samsung i like i keep all my bases covered i create content but then i just do random things when I can for the like, where did you go this like, year? Oh, so I've been I've been to probably well Samsung flies me places sometimes, which is fun. Um, but I've been to like seven or eight or nine or ten, I don't know, a lot of states. And then I also I went to New Zealand. I went back to New Zealand because I lived in New Zealand for three years. And then I just I convinced my best friend to go with me. And then I bought a car over there and we lived out of it for two months just driving New Zealand. And it was so good. I highly recommend. And I kind of disappeared from existence for that you time. But out of the car? it was peak. Yeah, it was good. And sleeping on friends' floors and basements and like all and camping a lot and all sorts of stuff. But yeah, just kind I mean, of wherever. That sounds like the stuff that I and floated to and would love to do but like i feel so much pressure to keep my career going and blah 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 and like i have a dog and like uh, my apartment right like I, like I can't imagine just being like well i'm gonna go uh like fuck off for a couple of months in another country right i can hope it's all good <laughs> i know and like during when i got back from that two months i did feel that that it felt like i built a little mountain of stuff i needed to do to catch mm -hmm. up on which was true there was like a scramble period of where I was like, oh, goodness, I have neglected a lot of responsibilities that I should probably not have. Neglected. But that's also really but, cool and amazing. I'm super happy that you do that kind of stuff. Yeah, thanks. It's I highly recommend. I mean, I don't know. I'm right now I'm doing or in like two weeks, I'm going to going to just road trip out to Oregon for something called Creator Camp. Um, it's a bunch of cool creators. They invited me to just stay in a house and we're going to just make stuff. And I don't really know. That's it. That's all I've got planned. But I'm just going to do it because I don't know. I need to. I like saying yes to things because they 
changed my life. And it's like, if I don't, my life gets too consistent and too boring and I can't stand it. So wow. yeah, the, the career aspects, I'm in a, in a very fortunate position where my career travels with me. So if I really needed to, I could make stuff on the go. I could figure out a way to make something really cool just in Oregon next, next month if I need to. But I tend to want to take those opportunities to take a break from it. And that's kind of how I avoid burnout. You know, it's the, you have to mix your life up and kind of just let it, let it sit, but I'm not a master at it. I, and I'm not claiming to be, I'm terrible at not burning out. I burn out all the time. I feel like every artist does, or maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one, but I mean, from my yeah. perspective, it doesn't look like you ever burn out, but now I know next time I really? don't see anything from you for a couple of months, I'll know you're in a random country, just living in a car. Yes. I'll be like, well, he's, yes. He's in, I don't know where, but um, okay. I also wanted to ask you about, you know, like the creator camp or whatever. You've done stuff like this in the past where you've partnered with like other uh, popular social media photographers or videographers or like creators or whatnot. How does that happen? Because like you, uh, the people that you've partnered with are more of like social personality people, I right. guess. Whereas like your, the social thing that you're putting forward is animation. It's not so much your personality so like how have you ended up uh like meeting convincing hanging out with i don't know partnering blackmailing blackmailing yeah. <laughs> like to even get to invited to a creator camp sounds awesome i mean it is yeah that's funny i do think i sit in a weird middle ground i overlap two worlds which is funny i overlap i would say your world or the world that like the animation industry podcast probably goes out to, which is like industry professionals, people who are like talented and good at their jobs. And then the the other world, which is like the social media world, which is a funny world because it's full of like teenagers and people who do not have their life together and they're living life sporadically and they're just making stuff and it's crazy. And this world is like a lot. And this world is like consistent and structured and I'm sitting in between where like I kind of am a little bit like this but I do stuff that's like this which is funny um so I I would say that I kind of end up around these creators like I'll make a, a video on TikTok right and it'll get like a, a couple million views and then I have a videographer DM me and be like whoa, that was so cool. How'd you do that? And then I'm like, I just went into the mountains and did it. And he's like, well, I love the mountains. And I'm like, no way, that's crazy. You should go into the mountains with me. And then we go into the mountains and we make stuff. And then he's like, I'm going to LA next week. And I'm like, that's crazy. Plane tickets to LA are only $200. He's like, that's crazy. I have a couch. And then I'm on his couch and it's like, I have these friends who do this thing. And I'm like, no way. I love that thing. That's love, how, that's how it works. <laughs> I'm, that's how it I get, happens. I get similar messages sometimes, and I'm like, "Great, have fun." <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Never talk to you again. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> oh, you're gonna be it's in definitely... Toronto. Let's meet up for coffee. Sure. <laughs> right. Maybe never happens. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I see. It's like I also think there's something to be said about like young optimism and blind optimism. Maybe yeah, sure. I don't know. Cause I'm kind of just always like, yes, sounds awesome. And then on occasion, it's not awesome, but like most, of the, most of the time it is awesome. So like the evidence is in my favor of just saying yes to things and seeing where they lead me and the places they've led, led me so far have been amazing. And I've met some of the best friends I've had. So I'm like, 
I'm going to keep going with it. That's awesome. It's a whole other world. And I think it's really cool that you're part of it. You're probably the only person in animation. I think Kevin Perry did some like getaway thing with social influencers once. Oh, yeah, Um, that was cool. He went to like an island, I think. Yeah, he went to it was crazy. Yeah. Um, But like, I can't think of anybody else in the industry who's even doing anything close to that. But it's it's crazy to me that it all came from like just animating little household objects. But that's so it was pretty crazy. So, okay. I don't even know what to ask you next, but um, when, how, <laughs> I'm super interested in how you get brand deals because uh, like brands are so, like I've worked on some brand commercials too. Every once in a while I hop on a commercial and do stop motion and they're so particularly like, it has to look like this. It has to be featured like this. Tilt the box a little bit more so we can see the product. There's too much glare right. the thing here. Like they're they're super protective of their image. But then brands, at least from my perspective, seem to be like, here you go, have fun. How do you pitch? Like, how is the pitching process when you're just like, hey, I'm a dude on Instagram and TikTok and I can animate something and it'll get some views. Do you like you're reaching out to brands? Like, do you pitch brands or they usually come to you and they already know who you are? I mean, you have a manager now. I do. Yeah. Um, I have barely ever pitched brands. I have maybe pitched two or three brands and only one of those pitches has ever been kind of successful. Oh, like you pitched twice. So I'm not to... work. Goodbye. <laughs> Every yeah, studio kind, listening to this is like, I pitched 6,000 people in my first year to get my first client. <laughs> Ah, yeah. I mean, I think okay, so they... there's different categories yeah. of like what brands think of you as. I would say the reason that I get a lot of freedom in my brand opportunities is because I have created a brand. Frantic Frames is like my brand and my online identity kind of. I've created this body of work that kind of lives on its own. And what brands are doing when they hire me is they're paying me for my work, but they're also paying to be associated with this online brand I've built. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times the online brand itself holds its own like kind of existence and entity and it, and they don't want to touch it too much because the people who follow me, follow me for what I do already. So if a brand is smart about how they want their content to perform, they will give me freedom because I've built the brand and the freedom I get leads to it succeeding. So the reason that when brands pitch me, the process is normally like, hey, we want to animate mayonnaise, which this is a real brand I've just done. We want to animate mayonnaise. What do you want to do? And I'm like, let's have... I just I just say stuff. I normally what I first do is I I barf a bunch of random concepts onto a Google a Google Doc. I send it to them. I'm like, do you like any of that? And they're probably like, no. But instead, they say this one, and then I take that one and I just storyboard it out. And I'm like, does it look good to you? And they're like, looks good to me. And then I go make it. So I do have a pretty perfect like. I I know that the. I've done, I have done work inside of four brands outside of my social presence. And it's very nitpicky. They, it's very much product and like concept is the brand's concept and it needs to fit the brand's identity. And then you're kind of just a piece of the brand working for the brand and they're paying you to do the grunt work, not for your, your built identity. And they're kind of two categories. So, I mean, I definitely think that the power behind a social following is not to be overlooked. Like the 
the reason brands tend to hire me is for my following first. And then over time, once I develop relationships with brands, they start to hire me more just for what I create for them. So a lot of times nowadays, actually, I mostly pursue partnerships that don't like need to be posted to social media where I'm making content for the brand to use on their own because I don't like advertising to people. I don't like shoving content down people's throats. It's not my favorite. So, so then, there's all the worlds toggled to between, but yeah, of course. you have to get in. Um, so a couple of things. One thing I've noticed you have stopped posting so frequently to social media, at least from what I follow. But the first thing I want to ask is you just said that the brand is paying for the thing that you've created from your social following, but you're preferring to pursue uh, things where you don't have to post your social media. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's contradicting itself, but there is kind of a limit to how much you can advertise to an audience in good faith. There is kind of, in my opinion, I don't know. Some people probably have differing opinions on this, but. Do you find that when you advertise to your audience, your followers go down, you get less engagement? I don't, which is great because, oh, I do get less engagement on ads for sure. I don't lose followers because I'm lucky enough that what the, the reason people follow me is for an art form. So when I create something in that art form, it it still is what people are wanting to see, even if it's not like ideal, it's not like entertainment forward, it's brand forward. It's still the art of stop motion and people still enjoy seeing that. That's a big reason why I get brand deals in the first place because even though it's an ad, people want to watch it for the animation that it is. Um, but I don't enjoy advertising to audiences. I, If I could, in an idealistic situation, I would just make content for my audience and I'd make money from that and I'd be able to survive off that. That doesn't really happen. Wouldn't we all love and then, to do that? <laughs> I know, right? Wouldn't we all love to do that? There's a little bit of selling out no matter what if you want to survive and actually make money. Yeah. Now, there's definitely a balance I'm finding to it because nowadays, if a brand offers me a lot of money to post on my social media or a little money to not post on my social media and just make them something, I will take the make them something because, because now that I have a secure, like a foundation of long-term partnerships, I'm not, it's not as important. And I'd rather just make stuff for me that I push out to people. I don't know. I, cause I, I do a lot of ads already. I already do. There's already a lot of ads on my page and I don't like posting more. I just don't. So I mean, I try and find those opportunities where I don't have to. I totally understand that. And like, you didn't start doing this for the love of ads. You did it for the love of animation. Yeah, not really. I'm just, I'm also thinking the like, animation is still fun. Yeah. There are also so like studios uh like i don't know cartoona or katsuka or whatever that just show like paid animation and people love following them even kevin perry most of his stuff is just brand deals lately and people he's still growing yeah. because of what he's doing so but he's i good i don't i mean it makes sense to me if you have created this like gut feeling and formula over time and it's been successful for you why why risk changing that and then 
you know, selling out because what might happen is, you know, you get the money up front and then you stop engagements and people get bored and then you just become a brand guy and then you can't get stuff in the future. So, right. Interesting. Interesting. I think it's great that you have like a good mix of like long-term um short-term and like personal stuff that sounds honestly like the dream because like getting anything long-term in this industry especially the stop-motion animator is so hard <laughs> like, i know honestly know, i've only done two like i consider myself a stop-motion animator and i've only done two stop-motion gigs one was two days and one was almost three months this year and most of my work is just 2d animation because um actually i had a couple offers to do stop motion for a, for a long-term oh, yeah? project that, that turned out so I, oh fair enough honestly but there's not there's not a lot unless you're in the states which you are there's not a lot of opportunity um to do stop motion so i think that's amazing how, how it is pretty cool i've also noticed you've upped the quality and uh production value of what you do a lot for instance what you used to do would be like something small on a desk. And now what you do is like your whole basement is involved. You are involved. Behind the scenes are animated. Uh, the thing is animated. Uh, it's much longer animation, like the avocado going through the air and splattering. And you actually made guacamole and had it s- splatter everywhere. Like you've upped your your skills and production value, I don't know, hundredfold. Where are you wanting to take it from here because are you going to keep doing bigger and bigger things or have you hit like a sweet spot that you're just going to maintain or like i don't know because you could take it like the justin rash version and do a whole create a whole studio and do these massive like like productions with like voice acting and music and blah 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 or you could keep it kind of like the kevin perry where it's just your own little studio at home and you're like just making it really professional in that like have you thought about where you're going uh i have a little bit also thank you i'm glad i'm glad there's been some quality in, improvement because the time some. i spend on pieces i mean i i put a lot of thought and a lot of time into yeah everything i can I do now, so. clearly tell <laughs> oh good okay good because like yeah when when we did that first interview I I mean, I was making them daily. The amount of time and effort I could put in them was kind of limited. They were like three or four hours of work each. Now it's like, I probably average 40 hours of work per animation and they're short, you know, they're like, they're like 15 second, 20 second. They are, they're like just little pieces. It's true. But, um, I do, I do really like in like improving and just seeing that improvement over time. I mean, who doesn't, it's, it's really fun. And it's like, it feels very fulfilling. Um, I have hit a bit of an atrophy point in the social media space because there is a level of quality that stop motion animators and animators and professionals and even filmmakers, they all recognize, right? People can recognize a good frame rate. People can recognize good anticipation, good thought. Like people can recognize when things are storyboarded well. They they see all that effort and it, it translates directly into the product. They watch the final piece and they go, oh, that was good because of the nuance, because of the subtlety, because of the learned skills over time. But there's a much bigger pile of people who don't have any idea about any of that. So when you're making content for them, it's like, 
the difference between animating on ones and twos is nothing to them. Like they, they watch something at 12 frames per second and they watch something at 24 and they just don't know the difference. Right. They're like, Oh, they both look good. And so honestly, does that mean that if the higher it's quality, like, you actually, this makes sense. If you put higher quality in your animation, you actually get less people uh, like of a general audience interested because they're yeah. specifically looking for that, like homemade style. I've actually been on a shoot kind of art. where I've animated uh, and the client was like well, live watching and they watched it back and they're like this just looks like live action can we make it look like stop motion and i was mm-hmm. like this is literally stop motion you watch me animate this so i literally went back and just made it all janky i like threw the boxes and like jiggly and they're like we love this. <laughs> i was like oh my god I, so I don't need to be here that i can just insane it shouldn't drive you insane I, it shouldn't drive me insane it drove it me insane i'll never forget that it's annoying right Uh, But it's true because people, when they think stop motion, they think jittery, they think crunchy, they think like there's a style to it that people are looking for. So when you start animating at these really high levels, it sometimes is a detriment because people are like, oh, it's CGI. Oh, it's just it's another like people are seeing a lot of the of the highly produced stuff people like homemade and honestly my best performing content is like the behind the scenes that prove it's homemade and that show it's one guy in a basement making it and look at what can be accomplished as one guy in a basement making it and i think that's partly why people watch what i do i think i I mean people really want to see that so are you yeah, afraid so of reaching a point where you want to increase your quality, but your audience is holding you back? The fear of the fear of letting brand deals and stuff go. Like, would you purposely be like, I'm going to have to not do as good in this one if that's a goal of yours? Right. I would say I'm holding myself back because I'm like, I I like making stuff. And honestly, like, even I sometimes I'm like, if I have an idea to make something really cool, I should making it in any way should be enough for me. I don't need it to be the best I ever made. Um, I a lot of times I, I have that mentality. I I do that. <laughs> yeah. Every time I, I mean, make something, like, I want it to be better than the thing I made before. Or in my mind, I'm like, it's not worth making it. Like, <laughs> I know. And that the way I apply that mentality to like a, a bigger project, like with, content for the internet i'm always like this just lives as its own little piece on the internet and i've gotten to a point where mentally i like i'm separating i'm in actively separating because i'm like this piece of work right here is something i wanted to make and it doesn't define me or what i'm capable of and i like to give it that freedom because otherwise i fall into perfectionism where i'm like it needs to be the best thing i ever made and then it doesn't end up mattering that i sold my soul to make that video I do want to make something that's the best thing I've ever made, but I want it to mean something. I don't want it to right. just be a little social media video. I want to make a short film. I want to pitch to somebody. I want to do something bigger, right? And that's when I pour my energy into that. But I want that opportunity to be right. And I don't really want to have to fight the system. I don't love the whole, I don't know. Social so does this mean is working, you're going to take like so running with it off and just produce something that really has heart and, and feels like it's from your brain? I mean, I would really like to. Well, what's stopping you from doing that? You already go and gallivant around the world a couple times a year, you said. I do. That's true. Yeah. I. Are I you telling me you're just... feeling the pressure of maintaining income in a career? <laughs> ah, ah, you got me. For, ah, freak it. No, ah, dang ah. it. That's true. 
that's true it's true it's you, there is maintenance i do need to post stuff sometimes see you probably yeah you've noticed the year actually last year i posted so little i really didn't make much stuff and i i signed up on a lot of year-long partnerships and and opportunities so i was like held to a standard of posting for samsung for other people so my feed was just like ads and it was not my favorite right now I'm in my little, my burst of creative energy. I'm like, yes, I can do this again. And I'm making stuff. I'm in this challenge with a friend. I'm making videos and it's good. Ultimately, it would be really nice to have made a three, a tiny short, something that means something, something I can put my stamp on and be like, this is what I'm capable of. And just put it out in the world just for me for fun. But I am fighting keeping up with social media and I am fighting brand partnerships that have time limits, that have deadlines, that have budgets, that have all these things. And I I don't know, I haven't had a, an idea or an opportunity that's led me to really invest into something long yet. But I think I told you five years ago, it was, I wanted to make a short film. I'm pretty sure I told you, I'm pretty sure it's I said five that. years, come on, Ben, where's, where's my short film? It's been five years. Okay, I mean, yeah. this... What you're saying is the frustration of most people, including myself, that I talk to. It's like you want to create something. You don't have the time to create something. And then time passes because you haven't started. And you're always like, I'm going to wait for the next bubble. But then, you know, life happens. Things happen, blah, blah, blah. It's tough. It's really tough. Um, here's another here's another thing. I chat with a couple of people who are doing short films right now, and they're doing them now because they didn't feel they had the skill level until they reached a certain point in the industry to actually execute the ideas they wanted. So um, have you ever uh, trained or studied um, like animation from a professional standpoint? Or has it all been self-learning? Because like, for me, I had just self-learned everything and I thought I was pretty good. But then going to Sheridan College, I was like, oh, I don't know any. I didn't even know what the 12 principles of animation were. I was just like, it looks good. Great. Move on. I didn't know what secondary action was mm -hmm. or timing or anything. But like since going there, like uh, I've jumped ahead in skill levels so much. And then working in the industry and learning from others, um, even just like on short-term projects, you learn how other people do it, et cetera. Have, have you ever considered or have done this to do this i have i have not really done anything that would be professionally viewed as education in animation at all self-learning all the way trial and error it's it's been the whole process and i currently don't feel a pull towards a formal education in animation partly because of the time commitment partly because yeah, it would be relearning right it would be expensive. The one thing that does draw me in is community because animation community is all over and spread and hard to find. And school is one of those places you can find it. And that's cool. But it's not it's not something that's drawn me in. I mean, I own Richard Williams' 12 Principles and I've read it multiple times. And, and I'm you're like, that's good. good enough for me. That's all you need. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I feel like I understand my style and what I enjoy making. And when I make, when I animate, if it's not proper, but I think it looks good and I like it, I really could care less if it's official or proper. And I'm sure if I went to a studio, that have to be some, that have to be beat out of me. It's like, you can't have your own personal taste and style. You need to work for the grinding gears of well, the that's, corporation. Well, that's the risk. Um, when you go to school and work for for studios, 
you know, they don't want any of your personal style and they try to unlearn Ooh. that from you so that you can copy what they want. But the opposite has happened. That has happened with me as well. But the opposite happened with me too, where then I was like, oh, I was doing things wrong or the hard way or without the same eye that I have now. Like before I would draw landscapes and backgrounds. I didn't know anything about perspective drawing. Then I learned about perspective drawing. I look at my old stuff. I'm like, well, it, uh, now I can tell what's wrong with it. But before I had no clue. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. know right, don't yeah. Know. So, but also um, it's totally fine because like you've developed your own style and it's, it stands out. It's very unique. And that's something that's very valuable that you wouldn't have gotten likely if you went to school, because even like I was 30 years old when I went to Sheridan. So I already had a lot of like, uh, my brain was a lot, un, a lot less malleable than my peers who were coming out of high school and more or less mm. influenced by, uh, you know, just trying to get a job and please the professors, et cetera. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that I was very stuck in my, like, I want to develop my own style. I want to, like, I don't want to work for a studio, blah, blah, blah. So like, uh, I learned what the industry levels were while still keeping my own uh, sense of style, but not which I felt, feel that you've developed as well. But ha the reason I'm asking this is, do you aspire to work in a professional style motion studio, like on a TV show, on a movie, on commercial projects, et cetera? Because if you want to get in stop motion, you're in the US. <laughs> like, right, right, place right. To be. You don't need I a mean, visa. You know how hard it is to get a visa as non US citizen? Oh, really? oh, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I've, I've tried to get, I've had it in the back of my head to get into New Zealand, actually. And that's a really tricky if visa situation as well. <laughs> I know. And actually, Dave, who's in charge of that, had, was talking to me about coming out there and animating on that. But why not take a little break and just yeah. do that for fun? It's already clay. <laughs> I know I I did really think about it because it's it's in Christchurch, New Zealand, and I was like, oh, I love Christchurch. It's really pretty, and it's and I have a car over there already. Like I wait, the I car still you, have that car. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, the car you bought that you lived out of, you just left it somewhere there, and you moved back. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. sitting in a parking mm -hmm. lot. Yep, pretty much. I mean, I I have old high school friends over there, so I was just like, anybody who wants to use a car, it will be here, and then it just bounces between people. So it's I mean, it's still mine, but people use it um wow like, your car is probably because... legendary amongst them at this point oh, like maybe it's a communal so. car so. that's awesome you come back it's, it's probably got it's non-existent it's broken it's, it's just trashed it's there's trash. like a wheel left yeah honestly but it's nice to have the option new zealand's hard to exist in without a car so um and and i'm too young to rent a car it's stupid i don't um wait but... wait, wait wait so the reason you didn't rent a car is you're too young so you have to buy one well that makes sense you're too young so you have to yeah. buy a car and and because in my brain if you buy a car i bought the car for like three grand which was pretty good like the, the oh, ex, it, went, it got more expensive is. it was at a good time um it's a pretty solid car and then i figure i drive it for two months and if i have to i sell it and i sell it for like if i don't damage it or do much put like i put some miles on it I sell it for what two and a half grand? That's five hundred dollars for a car rental for the whole time. That's still not just a than car rental. rental your hotel two months. I'm thinking like if My I had yeah. it for two months, how how much is that going to be for a hotel at uh what 150 a night? Oh gosh, oh no, I I spent very little money. The plane tickets were what was expensive. I spent like a thousand two hundred dollars on those, yeah. and then I mean I I bought the car. 
that was three grand, but I still own the car. That's not lost value. I could still resell the car and people have been using it. It's not. Well, so who I, knows how much I you could sell this car for at this point. <laughs> I know. It's like, yeah. Everybody's using like, it. <laughs> Oh, now it's yeah. Now it's probably a little crunchy, but okay. So you anyway. you haven't seriously because because like you know everybody knows who you are. You already have the real. I guess you, what you don't have is like when a studio wants to hire somebody, they're like, okay, where's where is your your puppet performance of like a walk cycle right. and like a lift and an action shot and like lipstick? Like they want they want to see that stuff, which I, which right. I don't think you would have any problem putting together. Um, probably not. I've thought about it from time to time, just, just for fun, just to see what standards I hold myself to. Like, like when I try to animate really professionally, how it comes out and where I, where my failings are after yeah. I've done so much. Okay. So, stuff, so but. say you're in a situation where you don't have any work and you know, you're mm -hmm. not going to have work for a couple months. What would stop you from saying like, I'm going to go work at a, uh, I don't know, uh, apartment D open the portal, uh, whatever for a couple, just see what's there at. They need somebody to work, come in and learn what they do what would stop you from doing that i mean not much would stop me it would that i would do that if i ran out of opportunities in social Fair. media probably Fair. it's like a that's a back pocket thing for me i would probably have to take a couple months and really develop that professional aspect of what i'm capable Fair. of and make sure i'm very presentable and then find people i i know a lot of people who have opportunities so i'm i i wouldn't be concerned about finding that right but it just wouldn't be the, I wouldn't want to uproot my life for it because I've, I've got my community, my friends, and I like, wouldn't, first of all, I don't love LA. I don't like living in LA. I've I tried. Anybody likes I lived there for like LA. a month. It was, I, I, that's all I hear. It's not good. I know. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm asking because like you it. said uh, it's hard to find a sense of community and like it school gave me a sense of community and like working on my first stop motion TV show. I still hang out with those people all the time. Like, uh, that gave me like a really strong sense of like the people in my industry and that do what I do and blah, blah, blah. So mm -hmm. do you, I mean, like you're working from your home by yourself on most of your projects. You yeah. don't bring in other people and say like, you know, I'm going to hire somebody to do my DP, my storyboards, whatever. So, okay. Have you ever considered pretty... like building up a little studio team? I have a little bit. I, I, I could, I could do that. Right. It would, it would look different and it would take organization on my part and commitment and eh, don't do it. And like professionalism. And I'm like, at this point in my life, I feel like the fun is that I don't have to have much weighing me down, which I'm like, I'm trying to live in that. Um, I, and I've, I've been able to find community just in other places. I, I work a lot out of coffee shops. We've got where I live. I've got so many good coffee shops and I know like every barista at every coffee shop and there's like 20 of them. So I just bounce coffee shops and I do like, all, oh, no, not all my emails again. and I know, honestly, <laughs> yeah, I just hound them. I just sit there and I order like seven coffees in a day and I just edit claymation stuff. It's I'm oh, a you little edit freaky, from the coffee sure. shop. You bring your laptop. Oh yeah. Oh, that's super oh, cool. Yeah. What do you use to edit? Oh, I'm, I mean, After Effects and Photoshop, I'm heavy on. Like, yeah. I still do manual rig removals, which is stupid. I'm sure there's an AI tool at this point that Listen, can pull I do too, and it got me in a stuff, lot of trouble but... for a project. So now I'm having to go back and redo them really? all in After Effects. Yeah, I can't talk about oh, it right gosh. now, but... Uh... <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm, that's brutal. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not fun. But um, there's better ways to do it, but... I found a routine, and I like my coffee shop sits. So I... Sounds like amazing. last yesterday, I had... 
probably six hours of coffee shop rig removal and it was fun and after effects and you know i do all sorts of like i don't know i mess around i play but um no it's that's the community from the i don't have much of an industry community i have found like a social media community with like these creator camp events and just creators who come through the area or I end up in New York couch surfing. And that's the community, the work community I've found outside of that. I just, I have like small units of friends and family in that community, but no, not a stop motion community for sure. There's, there's maybe like two stop motion animators that I know of in like all of Colorado. It's not stop motion heavy here. That's fine. That's cool. Um, have we chatted about anything you wanted to chat about? Have we not chatted about anything you wanted to chat about? <laughs> I don't. There was well, no. I mean, yeah, I've, I've. This is fun. I I couldn't think of anything else to chat about except for all of your life, which I need to hear. But hey, I won't ask force me something. <laughs> I mean, I I love that like you're still running the podcast. It's been it's impressive, and I was like. When I saw you reach back out, I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, we haven't chatted in a while. And it's been years and that you have a full career now. And when we first chatted, I remember you saying like you were taking like Fiverr things. And that sounds crazy. And you've come so far. So I wanted to do a little catch up. That's awesome. It's so cool. Thank you for doing the catch up, Terry. It's so cool that you do this. You bring the community together, Terry. Hey, that's right. This is good. I appreciate you. There have been, there have been, I get emails from the guests every once in a while being like, Hey, I got a random email from this random country from this random person I never heard of. And they're like, now we're, now we're connected or like, whatever. Like, um, so there are people internationally that I'm, I'm positive. There are going to be a lot of international people that listen to your episode because you have such a big international following. Like you even inspired, they're like copycat animators to you that I've seen. I can't think of any of them right now. And I really, that's out. funny. But they've done, I mean, they that's do like, cool though. They do like, you haven't seen them? Uh, I can think of one guy right now that basically does, he tries to like do what you do on your Instagram, but he doesn't do it. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, funny. I don't, I see people making stuff like the same ideas, remaking them, but that's kind of the reason I make stuff. I don't know. It doesn't bother me because. If I like, unless if they're intentionally trying to steal something and I don't know, yeah, but yeah. like generally speaking, people are having fun and yeah. it doesn't need to diminish what I'm doing. And it's awesome. So um, I love that. And I love seeing that people have found this behind the scenes. Like, I think the more people like lean into making stop motion on the internet, the better it's cooler. It's keeps it alive. It's furthers oh, the industry and I, I want it to keep happening. So. I, I mean, like that. when I was in high school, just like making little stop motions, uh, like every day after school and there was no, like so the social media didn't exist. Facebook wasn't even a thing. The biggest social media we had was like YouTube. Um, and I was just like posting to like stop motion animation.com, which is run by oh, uh, yeah. Anthony Scott. <laughs> oh yeah. And that was like my outlet times. to like post little animations and talk with people. But like, there was no, like I would have loved i don't even know if my stuff would have caught on but i think i think i would be in a totally different place now because i was in a place where i was actually making stuff every single day and uh like looking for feedback but they're just it just didn't exist you like you had to post right. on, like your own little i'd post on like cg talk if you know what that is oh, it was like yeah, a whole website for yeah. like cg animators and i was like i don't know i don't have any that's stuff there's funny. nothing for stop motion animators so i'm just gonna post here anyways and i get like three comments and i'd be like amazing <laughs> 
Yeah, that's so good though. Honestly, that's what I was doing when I started. I was just looking for feedback. I enjoyed seeing people see what I was making and it was just the fun of it, you know? And it was crazy. It's crazy that it became a career. I do your stuff definitely would have popped off on Instagram. I remember them. I remember your clay people. Those were so good. And were they though? I, I, don't, I, know. I don't know. I used to do the same okay, thing where I look on. back and they cringe, were. They but... were if you're not if you're not making cringe content you're not improving yeah. this is how it's, it this maybe is how they would have been memeified to like craziness who knows exactly. Know. Yeah, exactly dude all the old vines you could have been like one of the the crazy throwback vines like that was the time period it was true actually, actually that's how lawrence Perry got started on vine did kevin yeah. oh really i know lawrence becker started on on vine right. as well right, right, right. Um, there's somebody else that, times. um I, I can't remember who it is right now there was definitely a bunch of them Bunch of the old viners. Gosh, the time. Gosh. Well, here we are, all grown up with responsibilities doing claymation. <laughs> I love it. It's great. I love responsibilities. So all right, much. Ben. Well, unless you have something else to chat about, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I asked you all the things I wanted to ask you. <laughs> awesome. No, I mean, thank you for asking me. That's so cool. It's like, whoa, people care. That's awesome. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> so thank you, awesome. Terry. And it's awesome to follow you. I, I've been, it's been really cool to follow your work over the years. So, um, yay. Thank yeah. you. Same cool. with you. I'm super excited to see more Dark Wizard stuff. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. Maybe we'll someday. see. I don't know. I don't post much to social media, but uh, hopefully I'll have one more thing to post by the end of the year if it is released. But if not, then it'll come next year. It'll be the one post I post next year. Yes, we will all be stewing in anticipation. We'll be well stewed. The 10 people we'll be ready who follow to see me it. will be stewing in anticipation. Oh, come on, dude. 6,000? Yeah. Oh, you know. But yes, I know. <laughs> I think I don't pay attention. I, I don't understand well, I don't that at all it, because but... every day I get new followers and every day people unfollow me. And I don't post anything. The only thing I post is my stories of this podcast every week, which people who look at my account don't even know that I run a podcast. So, like, I don't know. where. The... I mean... It's, it's probably the old, the, it's the duck wizard. It sits there and it brings people in. It's a magnet. I guess people so. come from the so. ether to the, to see. Well, it, it just happens. People, you're a magnet, Terry. It's silly, just, it the just silly happens. Duck magnet. That's what I need to, this, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all right, Ben. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting. Thanks so much for coming on the chat and uh, revealing all the ins and outs of your life, which sounds both amazing and crazy. I suppose. Yay. Thanks, cool. Terry. And if you're listening and you want to, if, you, if you're not following Ben and want to check out his work, you can do so by checking out his TikTok, YouTube, or Instagram, all which go by Frantic Frames. And I'll include those links in the description of this chat. And that's all for now. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Willem Mando and the graphics by Luhan Wang. I encourage you to look them up if you've enjoyed their work.